Hey, this is John Dawson of Patio Daddy Barbecue in Boise, Idaho, and I've got it locked on the 50,000 gigawatt blowtorch of the internet that is Barbecue Central. Yay! Let's go! I'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is a show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating as we do each and every week from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in on the show's fun and frivolity here this evening, you can do it through phone calls and emails. Here's your info. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, said BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter, which you can sign up for over at the main website as well. A quick email address, and as my thanks, homemade barbecue sauce recipe, the one that I use every time I make barbecue. I love it. People have told me I should bottle it, but I'm not going down that road ever. So don't worry about it, but I will give you the famous, almost famous recipe. Everybody loves it. You'll love it. You'll make it. You can claim it as your own. It's just my way of saying thanks. Anyway, coming up on the show in about 12 minutes from now, he is a rapidly growing, oh boy, that's bad English. One of the most rap, hmm. he's a guy we love having on the show and you like it too. He is the contributing barbecue editor to Southern Living Magazine, and he is one of only very few doctors that we have here on this show. Robert Moss joins me once again, creator of the Q Sheet as well. And we'll be talking about chain barbecue, but we'll also be talking about books. This is barbecue book season, spring leading into summer. We had... Myron Mixon on last week. We had Mike Lang on a couple weeks before that. The list goes on. We've given away some books, which I have autographed personally and sent out to the winners of said books. So we'll talk to him about the season of barbecue books and what that looks like at this point. And then if time allows, we will get into some Hall of Fame talk. Robert, of course, is on the names committee over there at the Barbecue Hall of Fame. So we'll talk about some of the nine that are on the list. And as you know, well, I'll get into that here in just a minute. So, plenty to talk about, Robert, with looking forward to him in about 11 minutes from now. Then 35 past the hour. It's fourth Tuesday of the month, and you know what that means in the first hour. A regular visit from Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. And just when you thought the bristly barbecue journalist can't stand to be more bristly, he goes and releases a post on his blog yesterday. Maybe it was earlier today. Maybe it was a couple days ago. And I'm here to tell you it's lighting the world on fire. It's the 10 most par- popular barbecue and grilling websites. You may be surprised at the list. I have a number of questions to ask him about the list. Initially, I was going to be leading off with some Hall of Fame talk with him. I'm not sure exactly how I want to take that conversation. We might just attack the 10 most popular barbecue and grilling websites list up front and then see what we have in the remainder and fill in from there. If we have any remainder, who knows? It's going to be a hot topic, no pun intended. Then we'll move to the second hour. The fourth Tuesday of the month in the second hour brings a visit from the embedded correspondent. Yes, now. Where we will have touched on some Barbecue Hall of Fame talk in the first hour. 
We will really immerse ourselves in Barbecue Hall of Fame talk in the second hour, and especially the first segment of the Embedded Correspondence, where Rusty Monson, Doug Scheiding, John Solberg, guest correspondent, Jeff Rice from Wisconsin, myself, five of us, will be talking about all of the finalists on the Barbecue Hall of Fame list, three of which will make it in tomorrow. And we will decide who we will put in in the Barbecue Hall of Fame in advance of the announcement tomorrow to see how right or how wrong we really will be. Last year, we were very wrong on a number of accounts, maybe one right. But we were very wrong. So we will discuss Hall of Famers, potential Hall of Famers in the first segment. And then, notwithstanding that, in the second hour, we will, of course... Get ready for month two and round two of American Idol Barbecue Central Show edition. As we all know, last month, Doug Scheiding was politely asked to get the hell out of here through your votes. However, that means myself and Rusty Monson from the great city of Utah and... John Solberg from Michigan and Jeff Rice, returning champion of season one, will all be here with new songs, and we are ready to sing at best mediocrely, which is not a word, perhaps below mediocre, definitely neato, if you will. So stay tuned for some incredibly average singing, and if you are wondering All of the judges will be in studio, and as I had posted on Instagram, in studio, extra sassy and extra sharp with criticism. So anybody that's remaining in this competition, put on your Kevlar vests and your hate blockers and your suits of hate blockers and everything, because it could be going down tonight. Don't worry about it. Follow me socially, of course, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snappers at BBQ Central Show for a live video feed of the show. You can go to Facebook and Twitch. Slash BBQ Central Show, also on YouTube, slash RD Rempe. Programming note, be sure to join me for a special edition of the Barbecue Central Show tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern as Emily Park and myself reveal who will be making it into the Barbecue Hall of Fame class of 2021. We will also announce the two legacy members as well, so a total of five going in this year. And it's all available tomorrow live, we'll do it live. at 3 p.m. Eastern. Do it live. We will do it live. It's not pre-recorded. It's all live all the time. So join me at 3. And then, notwithstanding that, I've been able to use that phrase twice in the open. At 4 p.m., if you have this thing called Clubhouse, which I'm trying to get my head around, you can join me on Clubhouse. Uh, search for me. At 4 p.m. Eastern, we will go live on a clubhouse where we can go ahead and discuss who has made it in, who you think got schneided, who deserves to be in, and this is why. We'll do it all. It doesn't get recorded, so if you want to jump in and just take somebody to task, no holds barred, go ahead. It can't be used against you. Only anybody that's in there listening live can hear it, and as I tested it out last week, zero of you cared. But I'm putting it out there now. I have it on my Facebooks and Instas and Twitters and social media platforms. So maybe I can garner one to two folks that have a interest in talking about it after the fact. We say hello to first-time listener Kevin Evans. That's hard to say if you're not paying attention. Uh, Some listener feedback from shows last week and in past. Scott Hen writes, or Henny. My friend, I listen to your podcast as I mow the lawn, and I must say, I love the interview with Susie Bullock and excited for the next time, as I understand she'll be a quarterly guest. You have an art for finding great guests and asking questions that bring out such quality material in the show. Thank you very much for what you do and for our entertainment. Take care, Scott. Scott, thank you for writing in. Tim in Georgia, Greg, had no idea that Myron wasn't a complete jerk-off in fairness I have only seen him on TV, and he seems to be cocky to say it nicely. Hearing him on your show Tuesday night has definitely given me a different perspective on what kind of person he is. Thanks for having him on. Thanks for a great show, Tim. Tim, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I would be very rich. And believe me, when I, and I've asked Myron on the show before, 
If people only saw you on television, what should they think? And he says, they should think I'm an a-hole. But he knows what he's doing. He's putting himself over. He's playing a gimmick. But you see the real Myron when he shows up here on this show, for example, or other things that he does. Sean in Idaho. Greg, I can't believe you booked Bill Oakley on the show last week. Do you have any idea what kind of talent he is? Wow. The guy wrote The Simpsons in the best seasons. I can't believe it. Great job on whoever books the show. Please get him on again soon. Regards, Sean. Oh, who books the show? Well, hold on a sec. I will go ahead and pull that person right out. Wait a second. That's me. I booked the show. Is there some misconception that I have a staff of writers and show bookers and researchers? The embedded correspondents do give me bits, do some due diligence for me. This show is me. I am the show. Trust me when I say if I decide to quit the show, the show dies instantaneously. There isn't somebody else in the wings waiting to fill in for me like... I, uh, I heard Rush Limbaugh's show. There's a show. Somehow he's still doing a show. He's, he's dead, and we say that with peace and love. But there's a guy who talks about things and then finds old Rush Limbaugh bits and then plays them. Even in death, a prolific broadcaster. I could only hope to be a success. Robert Moss is in the green room. We'll get to him here in just one second. I'll talk to you quickly about Pits and Spits. Since 1983, they have been handcrafting smokers and grills in Houston, Texas. In that time, establishing itself as a premier brand of high-quality offsets, yes, and high-quality pellet cookers. Pits and Spits setting itself apart by using heavy 7- and 10-gauge stainless cooker, fully welded construction that you can feel with the use of every unit and a 304 stainless roll top lid and front shelf on every single smoker so why does it matter well by using higher quality materials you get a smoker that reaches and maintain temperature allowing you to worry more about the meat than the heat by providing a fully welded smoker you don't have to worry about grease or smoke leaking out of the barrel or about that grill rattling apart as you move it through the backyard and by using 304 stainless you're getting an heirloom quality piece of equipment so hey Figure out where you want to stick it after you're gone. Now, where some companies are focusing on low-cost providers, Pits and Spits focuses on craftsmanship and using quality materials and electronics that you can trust. Are there cheaper ways to do it? Of course there are. But their steel suppliers are giving you material that can be used in any kind of condition. Their controllers are made right here in the States, giving them unimpeded transparency to the programming. In short, Pits and Spits has a dealer network across the country. If there isn't one near you, give them a call at the shop, 844-650-6250 and ask for Coy. Why don't you? Or Ryan, if you want. He owns. Whether you're a backyard grill master or a competition team, check them out online, pitsandspits.com all spelled out, or check their pits in the wild across social media where they're handled at Pits and Spits. Dr. Robert Moss is on call and ready to jump in the barbecue ER. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control devices. Sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans, accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit them online at bbqguru.com. Or for more information, call them at 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continuing to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We say hello to first-time listener slash watcher Donnie Stroud. Welcome in. You have tuned in for a promising segment here, Donnie, so hang with me. Because my next guest is the contributing editor for Southern Living Magazine, friend of the show. We race to the hotline and welcome back, Robert Moss. Hey, Robert. 
Hey, Greg. How's it going? I am fabulous. Appreciate you making time for the show, as always. And we have a ton of content to get through here. First and foremost, uh, are you a medical doctor? I am not a medical doctor, so please don't ask me on that airplane or anything to, to resuscitate anybody. Uh, no, mine's a PhD in English, so it's a... <laughs> Does that put you in a, a weird spot if somebody was on a plane and said, is there a doctor on the? Is there a doctor in the house? No, so you, I just don't you say just, anything. Just, I don't say anything. Just, just sit, sit there, there and, and say, yeah. well, I hope there's a doctor. All right. Fair enough. Yep. Um, one of the highlights of our conversation this evening is going to be a topic which we'll call chain barbecue restaurants and you did quite a bit of research you uh published an article all about it you've talked about it and i find it interesting because i think there is what you could call a stereotype or a stigma attached to the terms chain bar or the words chain barbecue restaurant and in some instances perhaps well-deserved, in other instances, not so much. So let's, I guess, first look at it from a high level. Do people assume the chains are independently owned and or franchised at each location or not? Well, I, I think different people assume different things because there really is no formal definition of what uh, a chain restaurant is. I actually spent a little time trying to dig through various regulations and things, and the best I could find were some very very ambiguous wording. So there's not like there's any kind of legal definition or anything of what a chain is or even an industry definition. Um, the term actually goes all the way back to the 1920s and it started off with chain stores. If you think like the Piggly Wiggly grocery store was one of the first chain grocery stores, but everybody has a very different definition of it. And, and it depends upon who you ask. But I think, um, you know, there's, there is sort of like the neutral description of what, you know, a chain is, Obviously, more than one. Uh, that one would be a link, so you have to have at least two, I guess, to make a chain. Um, but you know, beyond that, there is definitely the connotation of a chain, which is people. You know, a lot of people would have a negative reaction to that, uh, which is to say, I don't eat chain restaurants, and whereas other people, you know, I don't think they even think about it. So I think everybody probably has a little bit of different definition of what a chain is. And whether a chain is a good thing or a bad thing, uh, you know, to to either be going and eating at, or if you're a restaurateur, if like you want to say, yes, I own a chain, or no, I'm, I'm not a chain. Is there any muckery when the term franchise is thrown in? So you can have, at least to my knowledge, one of the most successful franchises out there is uh, McDonald's. People yep. buy McDonald's, blah blah blah. But then you have other chains out there that are let's call them corporately owned or core locations a corporate owned uh, corporate yep. owned retail which is a whole different thing that means that it isn't something that you or I could buy into it's set up like Starbucks I think are all corporately owned Yeah stores. Starbucks is all all corporately owned as are like Chipotle I, b I believe the the Chipotle uh, Mexican restaurants and uh, in the barbecue world I think Mission Barbecue which is a pretty large chain now but all those stores are corporately owned. I think a lot of people do associate franchising with chains because it's sort of they sort of go hand in hand if you want to have 20 30 40 50 restaurants across the country it helps if you have franchisees who are actually you know you know, investing and building and all that. But that definition, you know, a franchise is, is not necessarily a chain. And there are some instances where there are, are restaurants that have like two or three locations. One is owned by the original founder and they franchised, you know, one or two other ones. I don't know if you would call that a chain necessarily. Um, I think a chain, you know, is, is definitely larger than that. It's sort of like that, that kind of old, the old definition of pornography, you know, I don't, I can't define it, but I know what it is when I see one. Yeah. Which uh, works for me. We're talking with Robert Moss here on the show. RobertFMoss.com is his website. You can also sign up for the Q sheet through that website as well. comes out uh, over the weekend and uh, really great reading. So you should go and sign up for that if you're not already here while we're chatting. In regards to more of this franchise and chain stuff, is there or what are the benefits to being under the chain umbrella or moniker? Well, I guess it's a little different if it's the moniker or the umbrella. So, like, if being part of a chain, you know, if if you want to go into a restaurant, you know, typically, and and you're franchising, then you're going to, um, you know, you're you're going to buy into a, a system that's already sort of developed. There's an operating model. There's a way of doing. Uh, depending upon the company, a lot of them will help you get started, design restaurants, design everything uh, around that. Um, you know, certainly from a there's something about a restaurant. I think we usually it's one thing to have one restaurant 
And usually when you get to two, you can handle that. But if you talk to most restaurateurs, once you start to get to that third or that fourth restaurant, if you're an independent operator, then um, it's different. You can't be in every restaurant every time and you're going to get more and more people. So it, you have to build a management structure. You have to build processes and you have to build all, all those types of things. So I think from a, you know, a, a perspective of a successful chain, what it's going to do is it's going to build in standardization. It's going to build in patterns and ways of doing things so that the product is, and the, the offering is consistent um, and, and is scalable. Whereas if you're just sort of opening one restaurant after another, after another, each one's different. The menu is a little different in each place. The maybe the, the, uh, pits you cook on are different in each place. It's going to be very hard to keep scaling because now you have to have, you know, somebody in each restaurant who really knows the operation. And, and so I think what you find is any restaurant that starts to get up, you know, above a couple of, of units, a couple of locations is going to have to start standardizing, is going to have to start, you know, bringing that kind of consistency to the operation and bring in, you know, managers so you can train new employees and teach them, teach them the, you know, the, the craft without just, you know, being watching over their shoulder all the time. Do you have an opinion on franchise locations being more uh, hit and miss on consistency and quality than a core location? Not, not necessarily. I don't think I have a a, a single opinion one way or another on that. I do know that with you know each company is a little bit different in the way they do it. Um, Chick Fil A is one example, which is here. Yeah, based in, based in Georgia, so, so here in the South, they don't like to have an individual franchisee to have more than one unit. Sometimes they can have two. I think it's for that reason they want to have the you know the op the, the operator in the stores and 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 very much involved. Other re- chains are different, and so a a owner can have you know four or five, twenty, thirty chain thirty um uh, restaurants. But at that point now your franchisee is having the same problem that a, a the chain itself does, which is now I have 30 restaurants. Why I now need managers, I need processes, I need HR, I need all those things that you know that come with scale. So I think that um you know the, so I, I think the you know having the franchisee be be closely involved it can be a good thing. Uh anybody who's worked inside franchise restaurants will tell you though there's lots of of conflict between the franchisees and the corporate restaurants who want to the corporate restaurant wants to you know usually have standardization and control control the menu control the decor and everything else the franchisees think they know better than those pinheads in the corporate office and they want to do it their own way and now you get to the same inconsistency and each place is different that sort of you know works against the 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 advantages of having a standardized chain i was gonna follow up and say is that a con of being under the franchise confinements where like an it, operator as thinks, if you're if well let's say yeah, you know an operator says okay well in i only have one location and this specific one they keep asking for x and it's not on whatever the <laughs> franchise is allowing so you're either at that point handcuffed and you're seeing money that you just can't have because you're going to play by the rules or you're going to decide to throw some of the playbook out of the window and bring in some new product and sell it because you're more of a bottom line person, which might get you in trouble or, or in some type of a violation of a franchise agreement. Yeah, and I think the the, the door swings both ways, right? So the, the franchisees think that they want to get all the benefits of the of the of having the chain and the standardization, but they but they think they know best. They know their market, and they want to be able to do things their their own way. And you flip it around back to the the corporate guys think, no, we know better. We can't have the the franchisees wildcatting. And I think it's probably. It gets at a certain point. You get back to where you are with independent restaurants, which is everybody thinks they know what they're doing when they're running the restaurant. They they can't all be doing it right. So some of them are making mistakes. Some are doing making the right call, uh, and then you get the same inconsistency uh, if you have too much deviation within the franchises that you do if you just drive down the road and pick any random you know Joe's barbecue and, and pull into it. So let's talk about the general John and Jane barbecue consumer. Do you think mm-hmm. that? They are able to tell if you walked into a restaurant and you weren't privy to a name or knowing if it's a chain or a franchise or not or just independent. Do you think the general John and Jane barbecue eater would know if they're at a chain or an independently owned position? I, I think there's two factors to it. I think that I, I think the, the market, I couldn't tell you what the ratio is, but I think it breaks into two camps. I think one camp probably doesn't know and probably doesn't care. You know, what they're looking for is, you know, oh, this looks nice and it looks like, you know, it's clean, well lit, or, you know, there's nice table tents and things like that. And this is what I like. And then I think there's a whole nother segment of barbecue consumer who um, 
a if they think it's a chain are going to already be negative predisposed to it, or if they go in and later find out it's a chain, they may actually be enjoying it up to the point where, where they say, Oh, wait a second, this is a chain. I don't like it as much as I used to because in their brain, the, the, the chain has a, has a big impact. One of the curious things that's been happening in the barbecue world lately, just in the past 10 years or so, you know, it used to not matter who was back in the kitchen, right. And who was back manning, manning the pits uh, in, in the back, they, the, 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 the cooks weren't really famous. You know, if you think about the barbecue empires from 20, 30 years ago, it was the restaurateurs whose names were on that. But just in the past 10 years with the rise of craft barbecue, there's been this return to authenticity and, and to wanting to, you know, know your pit master and have a face on there. So I, you got this interesting dynamic where the story is becoming very important. And I think that's sort of starting to work against the chains a little bit. And what you've seen is a lot of a lot of the big chains that were founded by somebody. The founder went away and then came back. They they actually brought the, the founder back in. So I think I'm thinking of Sonny Tillman with with Sonny's Barbecue and uh, Dave Anderson, famous Dave of, of famous Dave's. Both of them left the business and came back because it's good to have that face of the person uh, that you know that, that's in front of the chain because people want that kind of authenticity and that kind of understanding. You know, who's behind this name and who's doing the cooking. Do you have a thought on who you think the most underrated barbecue chain is out there currently and who the best is? Oh. No, I really don't. I don't have a – I mean, the big chains, the, the really large ones, I, I mean, and that's sort of the, the, the dynamic of change restaurant, right? You, it's going to be – you're not going to really get usually just terrible food that's going to poison you or anything like that. You're, it's, it's usually going to be pretty, pretty good quality, but it's not going to be great quality. Certainly, if you look at my uh, – top 50 list I did for Southern Living. There's not a whole bunch of chains on there. The ones that are on there are the ones that I would call sort of early stage proto chains. I think of uh, Pat Martin of Pat uh, Martin's barbecue joint, which has about, I think it's, I think he's closing on 10 restaurants in a couple of States now. Wow. And uh, that's one of the ones that, you know, I would definitely, in my definition of a chain uh, and actually with Southern Living, we've I've been going back and forth to the editors trying to codify this definition a little bit uh, to try to figure out what, what qualifies as a chain. Martin's barbecue joint would, but I still think they do a lot of things right. And they have a lot of, of, of character. And, and so I think that's one that I'm not sure if it's underrated because I think it's pretty, pretty highly rated, but it's certainly of what I would consider the chain. That's what a bubble store at the top of, of, of my list. Is Dickie's the biggest at this point? It's, I can't ever keep track. Dickie's is either the biggest. It certainly, I think has the, it's, it's been expanding rapidly overseas. Yeah. So it definitely has like the most countries under its belt for a long time. Uh, Sonny's, which is based in Florida was the biggest, but I think Dickie's has now eclipsed them. Um, famous Dave's is, is growing and, and it's been, there's all our private equity money or actually I guess they're, they're a publicly traded company now. So they, they've been growing and expanding, but I don't think they're quite to the scale of a Dickies yet. As far as I think Dickies is the largest, but uh, just by like store count. Robert Moss joining us here on the show, talking about chain barbecue, anything else you want to add to the chain conversation before we move on to books? Um, not, not too much other than just, I think it's, it, it's a murky subject and, and I encourage people to keep, I try to keep open mind myself and I encourage people to keep an open mind when it, when it comes to two chains. But I do think it, I think it's just the dynamics are interesting of what happens when a restaurant, you know, is trying to grow beyond two or three units and somewhere between that two and three and the 20, you know, there's an interesting little sweet spot of where you can grow and where you can't. All right, so go ahead and hit up Robert Moss's website if you want some more info on Chain Barbecue, but we'll transition over to books. Springtime, early summertime is the wheelhouse for live fire cookbooks, and you see them come out by droves. Uh, certainly this year, no stranger to a number of new books. Myron Mixon is out with a keto book. Rodney Scott's out with a mm-hmm. book, finally. Adrian Miller, who we both know and has been a guest a number of times here on this show, is out with a book that is doing exceptionally well. As you peruse the landscape of barbecue books that are live fire books this year, what sticks out? What do you like? What don't you like? What's a gimmick? What's not? Um, I'm not sure if I have anything I don't like per se because I think there's is a lot of the of the same. I, one of one of the, there's some interesting things I think that are happening uh, happening this time around or, or or this year. It's true that every it seems like everyone all publishers want to bring out their barbecue books in that late April May time frame because it's it's barbecue season and it, my first thought was well that doesn't you know make sense people cook year round but then also the more you, you look at it you realize that every May 
uh, all the editors and all the magazines are looking to do barbecue features. So if you have a book coming out right then, it's a great way to get press. Whereas if you bring one out in, you know, say November, uh, people aren't necessarily going to look for it. Um, I, th- I, th- I think it's interesting the way that the the books sort of follow the larger trends of what's going on. And you can sort of, you know, it's tough because a book doesn't get published in three, three months. It, you know, there's usually a two or three year process from the time that a publisher selects the book until the writer completes it and they get, they get it through the publication process. But it, I think it does reflect some of the trends. One, one of the things I thought was interesting uh, coming out uh, this year, there's a um, Page Street Publishing brought out three books all all at one time, and I think it shows just the way that the uh, I think the rise of the sort of branded barbecue equipment is really starting to shape the market. So um, these books are all sort of uh, well, they're they're based around different things. So one of them, Adam McKenzie book did a book called Weekend uh, so Weeknight Smoking on Your Traeger. So it's focused particularly on Traeger, and it has the subtitle Other Pellet Grills, but Traeger's in in big letters. And then there's another one, Bill Gillespie, who's sort of a well-known competition veteran, uh, did a, a book on, I think it's called Hot and Fast on your Weber Smoky Mountain cooker. Uh, so it's really for Smoky Mountain or similar bullet cookers. And then, um, you know, there's another one that came out, same press, that is uh, really about like the four fundamentals of smoking. And it, it, it looks at the, the different types of cookers. So it's those are being called out specifically. And I think the idea is that you've got you know, a lot of people buying or getting these 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 new uh, cookers or grills for you know, you know for either either buying or, or giving as a gift, and then like oh I need a book to sort of master that, and that happened last year as well. There are a bunch of books that came out that were um, that were focused on that. And curiously enough, I got hit up a couple of times from folks who said, "Hey, would you like to write a book on you know on uh, cooking on whatever a pellet grill or various models?" And I, I passed on them because that's just something I. I think, but publishers are actively out looking for somebody. It's not like some guy sits there and says, I really want to write the, the ultimate book on the the Weber, you know, the Weber kettle. Oftentimes it's it's Weber or whoever, you know, whoever the manufacturer is who's actually going out and looking for someone to is publish it a, books. Is it a payday still or no? Uh, I guess it depends on 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 how you look at it. Uh, you, you, no one's getting rich off off of those books. I mean, the best way to make money, you know, selling cookbooks or selling books is to become rich and famous and then write a book, um, and then you'll sell a lot of copies. But um, you know, usually, yeah, I'm sure Myron's going to do well because uh, he's so he's so well known. But no, it's 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 not a huge payday for somebody. But you know, you know, it will pay. It'll pay. You know, it'll pay the rent a little bit. And it may get you, you know, noticed and, and, and get the lead to other things. So it's usually more of a stepping stone than a, oh, great, I published this one book and now I'm done for, you know, five years. Robert, you got about a minute left. Uh, let me ask you as we transition out of here, Barbecue Hall of Fame will be announced mm-hmm. tomorrow. So uh, in no particular order, of course, uh, go ahead and give me your nominations. Yes. That sounds like just, a no. just talk, <laughs> you've been my nominations or just talk through who the nine are. Yeah, like who who did you or vote my, for? My three picks. Who did you vote for? Oh, I can't I can't I have I can't reveal that. I'm sworn to secrecy. Why not? Nobody cares. One vote. I'm like <laughs> that, that doesn't mean anything, right? I mean you can tell. Hey, us. Well, if I was just a Nobody's voter, listening. but I'm on the nominating committees, so I'd rather hmm. not. Oh, I'd rather not. But I'm happy to talk about you know, like who who stands out uh, who stands out to you or uh, I mean there's uh, six of the nine or repeats meat has a third Pete in a row actually. Yep. So, uh, I mean, it's, I would say it's certainly admirable for those names to get renominated because they are thrown back into the main holding tank and then basically yep. re argued for. So there's obviously some type of, uh, deservedness there to get put back yep. up. A- absolutely. And, and, um, you know, I think that, what my my t- my biggest takeaway from the list is it's a strong list. I think it whittled down to nine was really tough, and we really went back and forth on a lot of different things. I think if you look at, at the new names that are on this this list, um, you know, which I think is Ollie Gates, Ed Mitchell, and, and Joe Traeger. Yep. I mean, all three of those those guys are legends, and so you know, there's nobody on that list that I don't think anybody would say isn't deserving of being in the hall of fame. It's more just a question of, is this the year or do they need to just hang around and, and, they'll, and they'll get it next year. Um, so I think at this point it's, it's almost down to, uh, you know, it may be to like the, the full panel who they know better or some of that, because I think from a quality standpoint, all nine of those, 
this finalist or any pick, you'll, you'd have to say, yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good class of inductees. No doubt about it. We're talking with Robert Moss, the website, robertfmoss.com. Check out the chain barbecue stuff that he wrote about and be sure to tune in right here tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern as the Barbecue Hall of Fame class of 2021 is revealed. Robert, always appreciate the time and the insight and the research, and we'll do it again soon. All right. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. You got it. There he is, Robert Moss, right there. Breaking it all down when it comes to chain barbecue rods. Did you know that there was that much information? Of course you didn't. That's why you're tuning in here to get the best info. I thought for sure I had him for like a hot second on revealing who he was going to put in for the Barbecue Hall of Fame. But I know Derek Riches is going to tell me who he would put into the Barbecue Hall of Fame because he's not on the names committee. He's not in the Barbecue Hall of Fame, which is the driver. So I know he's not voting. So he'll be happy to give me his thoughts. But first, I will tell you all the good things about Green Mountain Grills. As Robert Moss just talked about, pellet cookers are very popular. There are books dedicated to pellet cookers i would imagine next year you will see a number of other barbecue books dedicated to pellet cookers green mountain grills are some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market right now a couple different options so if you want to save a couple bucks you're a little bit of a frugal backyard warrior go ahead and check out the choice line now it doesn't have all of the internal meat probes and the wi-fi connectivity and the app access and all this other stuff but it's still very good on size you have the jim Bowie, that's the biggest one you have daniel boone mid-size so if you want to save a few bucks go choice line now if you want to amp it up a little bit you have a couple extra bucks burning a hole in your pocket you can go prime plus it's got headlamps in the main cooking chamber it's got a front shelf it's a little bit more of a robust build on the chassis you have peeking windows on the main cooking chamber and the pellet hopper. Two internal meat probes this time. Yes, Wi-Fi. Yes, app connectivity capability. You can increase and decrease the temperature of the pit if you want to. All through the app. All the good stuff there. That's the Prime Plus line. Selling through a dealer network. Forget about that rogue dealer that's on Costco. Go through the dealer network near you. Go to GreenMountainGrill.com. Check out where the dealer is, then go get educated and away you go. Success right off the bat. They have sauces, rubs, and all the other stuff too at GreenMountainGrills.com so visit it, check it out, and go from there. It's Green Mountain Grills. We're back with Derek Riches right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion being brought to you by CookinPellets.com. We were just talking about Green Mountain Grills. You want some great wood pellets to fire that cooker? It's your number one source for quality wood pellets, CookinPellets.com. Visit that website and you can purchase or find out what else they have available to you. You can also buy at Amazon.com if you'd wish. It's the fourth Tuesday of the month, and that means it's time to go to the hotline and welcome in one of the most respected barbecue journalists in the biz, a Barbecue Central Show guest, Hall of Famer, to say the least. You can check him out on his site, DerekRiches.com. We welcome back Derek Riches. Hey, Derek. Hey, Greg. How you doing? I am fabulous, and I am excited to have you here for a couple different topics to talk about. Let's pick up where we left off with Robert Moss. <laughs> Dr. Robert Mo- uh, Am I talking with Dr. Derek Riches, by the way? Um, Not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. We tried. You could have said yes. Everybody would believe you. Away you go. You never have to answer it again. I know if somebody said, is there a doctor on the plane, though, even if you weren't, you would leap into action to help out a oh, fellow definitely. comrade. I mean, Robert definitely. Moss is definitely. just sitting there sulking and you know not helping <laughs> anybody. How dare he? But nevertheless... Uh, let's start with some of the Barbecue Hall of Fame stuff. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be revealing the three inductees tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern here along with Emily Park. So as you peruse the list of, let's call it the nine finalists that make it through the big culling of names. And this year, I believe there were 65 unique names that were tallied. I think it was 165 or 170 total votes. So there was a number of folks that got 
nominated more than once or twice, however yeah. you look at it. So as you look through that uh, names list, who's standing out to you or uh, what do you think of that list? And then ultimately, what three would you put in? Um, well, first of all, I'd like to agree with what, you know, Dr. Moss had to say earlier, and that is that the, you know, the, the three that got nominated this year, the three new ones, um, certainly kind of, you know, big names, legendary people that probably should have been recognized a while back. Um, um, my take on the list is, you know, it's got a lot of great people on there. I'm going to go with, I think it's just Rodney Scott's year. Uh, I mean, I, I think he deserves to be there and certainly, you know, it, it's a big year for him regardless. So Rodney Scott, um, I think honestly, I'm going to throw it to, uh, Leon Whippet, um, because I think that, you know, I, I think it's her time. Uh, she's done a lot and, you know, uh, it's good to see that kind of representation and it needs to be reinforced and just kind of from my own, uh, you know, work in, in kind of the history of barbecue and, and a lot of traveling and stuff. Uh, I'd like to throw it to Ollie Gates. Oh, all right. So we've got Ollie Gates, Leanne Whippin and Rodney Scott as Derek Rich's pick. So we'll see in less than so 24 that a good hours. list. That's a good. Pick, hey, isn't it? Those are your pick. Hey, here's what I say. You have the balls to say it, then it's good enough for me. Not okay. only is Robert Moss sulking away on the uh, fuselage of an airplane with people dying, he won't even give me the names that he voted for. I mean, come on, what is he doing? Yeah, I, there working. I am throwing names and I doing know. surgery and on you're the you're helping people. That's right. I mean, he's wor- quickly yeah. working his way off the show. Um, I, was, I, I figured we would maybe talk about some other subjects here, but then look at you posting about this best or most popular barbecue websites and i'm like wow let's not you know i mean there are certainly great websites on there but yes it's not necessarily a reflection of best this is um, most popular uh, most popular and analytics some people think that goes hand in hand how do you differentiate uh i don't Look at the top 10 songs right now or the top 10 movies, top 10 TV shows. Yes. I think you'll find that many of them are not what we would call best. Mm, okay. I mean, what was it? Kardashians are in season 20. So best show best ever. And most best and most popular are not mm. necessarily the same. Although um, I think there's a really great, really great sites on this list. And, um, you know, it, was uh, about three months work getting this together. As a matter of fact, my intention was to release it uh, at the beginning of the month, kind of a for Memphis, you know, for I'm Memphis, May, for you know, <laughs> May is National Barbecue Month, right. sort of thing. But uh, I wanted to run it back over uh, with some some analytics people I know to really make sure I nailed it down as best as absolutely possible. So, you know, so what's the impetus for writing? This, I mean, it does appear that if people read it, they, they could casually read it like I did and just sub out popular and best. And you know, all of a sudden we have a powder keg situation in a few different ways. So, like, why write it? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is that, I mean, I do consulting work with some companies and um, some of the PR companies and marketing companies and stuff like this, they do this sort of analysis and they have access to, you know, these huge analytic systems like Comscore or what is it? Um, SciSense and some of those sort of things. And, you know, sometimes when I'm brought in, I can use that, those analytics to kind of do analysis for them on trending issues and things of that nature. So, you know, a lot of the companies already have this kind of information, but it's not out kind of in the general public and it's not out amongst, you know, the fellow content creators or, you know, small businesses or in, in that range. And I just thought, you know, I think that it's it it's kind of important to show, you know, where the traffic is going to and, you know, who has the sort of popularity in this area. And the other real reason for it is because the kind of shift we've seen, I, I mean, there has just been this explosion in the last couple of years into barbecue content and who's consuming it and how much is being consumed. Um, you know, 
it's a little early to say what the numbers are, and I've kind of heard this back and forth, but some are suggesting a 40% increase in uh, barbecue and grilling product sales for last year, um, which would make it the fastest growing period in, in barbecue in possibly American history. So we have this huge flood of new people into the space. We've got a lot of young people coming in, a lot of novices coming in, and they are creating this huge shift, this big paradigm shift in where they're getting their information from, where what content they're consuming. Now, you know, this is just for barbecue sites and, and, and I intentionally limit it by removing the corporate sites. So, you know, no Weber, no Traeger, none of those. I removed the general recipe sites, the general cooking information sites. So kitchen and all recipes, you know, take them out. So it's focusing specifically on barbecue sites. And I also removed, you know, the forum sites um, because it's more of kind of a collective effort, knowledge-based sort of thing. I was looking at the specific content creators who are generating a website and the kind of traffic that it generates. And, you know, this is comes up with some really interesting information because there is this shift that's going on and it's both in gender and in generation. We have four women on this list now. Um, you know, Susie Bullock, who was on your show last week, is on there. Uh, Jess Prylas, who I know she appears on your show, you know, she's in there. Um, and so we have this kind of women content creators in barbecue becoming a much more dynamic and powerful force here. And a lot of these content creators are people in their, you know, late 30s. So we're looking at also kind of a, a younger age here. And so we're getting much more kind of a millennial representation. And this is kind of reflected in kind of the way millennials consume this information. They access information a little bit differently. They're more likely to come in from a social media source. They're more likely to, you know, peruse Pinterest looking for something that looks good and follow that route or to come in from, you know, like uh, an Instagram or something like that. So. I think that this is a really powerful shift in, 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 in both the consumer of the data and the creators of the data, because people tend to kind of, they look for content creators that match their age, their lifestyle a little bit, that they can, they feel comfortable with, that they feel like relatable reflects them a little bit better. Yeah. It's that relatability factor. And so, this, you know, we've seen some of these sites exploding at rates six, seven hundred percent annual growth rates. And when I go back and I look at, you know, search metric information or, you know, really broad uh, traffic information for some of the big corporate sites or for just, you know, the general categories of search information, um, the entire segment, uh, the entire barbecue and grilling content online media is growing a rate nearly three fold year over year and has been for the last couple of years. Mm. And, you know, some of this is pandemic. I mean, certainly last year we had this huge growth that way, but also the shift towards the pellet grills, the huge explosion in pellet grill sales, you know, which has brought so many new people into the space. And so, you know, I, I find this, you know, really encouraging because, there was a debate for a while in, in kind of barbecue and, you know, amongst on the business end and then the PR firms and stuff was, you know, is the barbecue community just kind of getting older? Is it, isn't something that young people aren't as likely to take up or get involved with? And we're, we're certainly seeing the opposite of that. We are seeing so many young people kind of coming in and they're really shifting the narrative of barbecue, the way they consume information, the kind of information they look for and the websites that they're going to. So, you know, this is just kind of, you know, uh, you know, this is, you know, it's, it's a, an amazingly dynamic and ever evolving landscape. We have to say, you know, uh, the, you, you know, the rules just don't apply after a couple of years. What was, cool 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and 20 years ago when I was starting out in this are just not the same 
today. And um, so many of these sites that have come up in here that have kind of jumped into the list uh, in the last two years or so, they are, you know, very savvy, very nimble. They are very, you know, they're, they're really good at search engine optimization. They're really good at social media marketing. They're really good at doing their own data analytics and kind of knowing where, what their audience is and what their audience wants. And, and, you know, another factor that I found is, is that there are, you know, some of these sites, you know, four to eight years of age, they're comparatively small, that they're not as huge as you might think that, you know, some of the really, really big sites just have kind of lost that ability to be quickly adaptive and that's kind of hurt them. So these newer kind of smaller sites, boy, they just, they adapt very quickly. They change as they need to. And uh, it's just become this huge model for success. So, um, you know, I'm really encouraged by, you know, what I've been seeing in the data because I, I really see that, that there's a lot of growth and, and, you know, it's bringing us so many more people in and, uh, you know, a lot of people on this list, that's what they do. They really kind of introduce barbecue to a whole new group of people, which just makes a bigger pie for the rest of us. It just grows the table. We just get more and more people coming in so that we all kind of have a potentially better audience space. Um, and you know, that's just, uh, I think it's great. And, you know, just to, to say it when running all the data, running all the analytics and kind of confirmed across every single platform, Susie Bullock's Hey Girl Hey is the most popular barbecue site in the world. And it's kind of easy to see why, um, she has really capitalized on, on search terms and all that sort of stuff. But when, I mean, her Facebook group is about her Facebook uh, following is about, to, yeah, it's, you know, in a huge number. Her Instagram following is gigantic. Her Pinterest, I think if she told Pinterest she was quitting, they would send someone by to ask why. Um, she has so much engagement. And that's, you know, and that's really the key here is that when, you know, it's like, okay, you know, oh, you know, you got a lot of followers on Facebook, got a lot of followers on Twitter. Yeah, but is anyone engaging it? And her engagement right. numbers are just through the roof. People just jump in there. They comment on everything. They like everything. They share everything. And so it's just become a self-generating traffic engine that's just, it's just, it's so impressive. It's just absolutely amazing um, to, to just look at. Of the popular websites that you list out, do you touch base with any of them to say, hey, I'm putting this list together. Here's data that I have found through Alas, Alexa, SEM Rush, blah, blah, blah. Do you have anything that you can also generate to me, whether using Google Analytics? I mean, Google Analytics is the uh, thing to, to go to, if I'm uh, not mistaken. But are they well, giving you some of their own raw data and in, in, in the ways that you're searching out their popularity like within those time frames that you're doing well my my initial data was collected from um subscription services i used free tools to demonstrate how you can get that information yourself how you can kind of go in and look at the trackings a lot of people who run websites kind of don't necessarily know what tools they can get for you know for free it gives them you know some good things to point to uh, I did not go to the people on the list um, because I didn't want to to bias the results, and I didn't want. I mean, yeah, Google Analytics is is you know the tool that everyone, pretty much everyone, uses to measure their own web traffic and gather all of that. Um, it has its own margin of error, which is relatively small. But if I was in a situation of saying, hey, here's what I think your numbers are, they would yeah, either it's, you know, I, I can't sit there and say, hey, give me your analytics password so I can go in and look myself. And I don't want to be in a situation of someone coming back and going, well, I can cherry pick my data or I can, I can just fudge it. I can just, you know, send some screenshots and say, oh, look at this. This is, this is in, you know, what my numbers actually are. So that would have created a problem. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that pretty much everybody that's on this list has already thanked me 
I've had a lot of, Hey, this is great. I, you know, I, I love that you did this. It's, it's great to see somebody who can kind of come back and, you know, understand how these metrics and analytics work. And, uh, you know, uh, this is, of course, we already kind of knew this. So, you know, thanks for putting it out in the public space because, you know, most people don't want to sit there and talk about your analytics. It's like, you know, going into the grocery store and randomly telling people about your salary or, you know, your taxes and stuff. It's not the sort of thing that most people really want to kind of share. Plus that data, you know, as it refines down can become very revealing about how they pull this kind of traffic. Derek Riches joining me here on the show, the website, DerekRiches.com. And of course, his uh, his picks for the Barbecue Hall of Fame tomorrow, which have uh, no bearing on what the actual results will be tomorrow at 3 p.m. Rodney Scott, Absolutely Leanne no bearing Whippen, whatsoever. No one listens to me. Ollie Gates. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you can, again, find Derek over at DerekRiches.com. And you can find him right here on the fourth Tuesday in the first hour of every month. Derek, always appreciate the time, and we will see you in June. Oh, in answer to your question, yes. the question that you didn't ask about what a hot dog is a, a hot dog is a sandwich oh. unless it has ketchup on it, then it's an abomination. Then what about boiled hot dogs versus grilled? Do you care? Is it boiled in beer? No, boiled in or water. Boiled in water? No, no, no. What that's, about that's a, uh, a a eight or nine minute simmer in water, not boil? Make any difference? <sighs> That's what I grew up with, and I don't want to go back to my childhood. And why is it a sandwich? Holding ketchup aside, why is it a sandwich? Why isn't it just a hot dog? Meats and bread. Is a burger a sandwich? I don't know. I, look, uh, there was a, a quite a fascinating conversation on DVQ's Clubhouse last week about, is a hot dog a sandwich? And, of course, me being the dick said, <laughs> I think we need to figure out, forget about this is it a sandwich or not? I think we need to define what is a sandwich, and then we can apply what we know a sandwich to be to then decide if hot dog is indeed a sandwich or if it's own thing. Now, 99% of people said hot dog is its own thing. I believe I was a persecuted saying that I was a mansplaining something. And all I said uh, was, well. hey, all I'm doing is trying to figure out what the criteria of a sandwich is. <laughs> so then I can go, but nobody had that definition readily available. So, yeah, it, you know, I'm just the mansplainer as always. It's one of the great yes. mysteries of our time. That's right. All right. So it is a sandwich for Derek Rich's sans ketchup. Otherwise, it is an abomination. Derek, always appreciate the time, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me on. See you, you got it? in a month. There he is. Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. I, I am inclined to say that whether you like it or not, a hot dog is a sandwich, just like I would say a hamburger is a sandwich because there's bread involved, which makes it a sandwich. I can also see the other side of the argument, which leads me to continue to say we need to figure out what the hell a sandwich is. I know who can do that. Robert Moss can do it. He'll be able to tell us what a sandwich is, and the next time he comes on, we'll put this baby to bed one way or the other. And once and for all, if you would like to say it in that way. I would like to say it in that way. All right, before we get it over and wrap up the first hour, I want to talk to you quickly about Primo Cookers, a patented oval design offering true two-zone cooking. More than 60 cooking configurations available, made right here in the States. Precision-controlled manufacturing, highest quality ceramics used in these cookers. They have a new easy lift hinge. Reduces the force to lift the grill head by 70%. Precision controlled top and bottom air. Now in numbers, you can upgrade it if you have one currently. Go to your dealer, ask for the Primo Upgrade Kit. You can follow them socially. PrimoGrill.com is the website. Primo Ceramic Grill on Instagram and Primo Ceramic Grills on Facebook. It's PrimoGrill.com. You got to get one. I got to get one too. We'll be back to wrap the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, 
Craig Rampey. And this portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, Fireboard 2 Pro. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via the Bluetooth. So if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. You can find out more or buy by visiting fireboard.com or call them at 816-945-2232. That's Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, and Fireboard 2 Pro. And we thank Robert Moss in the first interview segment talking about barbecue chains. We thank Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. By the way, RobertFMoss.com is Robert's website. Uh, Derek Riches, DerekRiches.com is his website talking about his most popular barbecue and grilling websites. Not best, popular. Maybe that changes things for somebody. I don't know. You can see Derek the fourth Tuesday of every month and Robert Moss quickly working his way into a recurring segment as well monthly. Time will tell on that. Stand by. We are headed to the second hour. Refresh libations, and we'll see you back here in just a few minutes. Stick around. We'll be right back.